And on the final night, in front of the mayor, my uh, my my dress came down. My fake bum was all the way on the floor, and I was just dancing on stage in just a pair of wide fronts and like the top half of a dress. These uh, fake earrings were going everywhere. The wig came off. It was a shambles. So wait, what in front of the mayor? The mayor of Luton. <laughs> Your fake bum was out. Knickers on the floor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in front of the mayor of Luton. And, and you felt at that moment that acting was the, it was for you. I was like, that's me. That's what I want to be. Hello, this is your host, Graham Rooney, and welcome to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod. The podcast where I take you down the pub and we meet a performer, have a drink and find out the tiddly truth. You're only getting a pub. I'll be chatting to fantastic performers at all different points of their careers, discussing where they've come from, career-defining moments, and of course, guilty pleasures. All whilst having a laugh and getting a wee bit pissed. Fancy a pint with a pop star? A whiskey with your West End idol? Or a mojito with a magician? Then join me down the pub. So, without further ado, let's head down to the local and see which one of the nation's top performers is in there tonight. Hey, please, mate. Thank you very much. This week, I'm joined by top actor and all-round top bloke, Jason Callender. Not only is he a star of a huge hit TV series, The Four O'Clock Club, He's taken to the West End stage in the Play That Goes Wrong and 2020 Olivier Award nominee, Upstart Crow, performing with David Mitchell and Gemma Whelan. Jason Callender, welcome to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, my man. How are you? I'm not too bad at all, mate. Very good indeed. Uh, What are you drinking? Mm, I am drinking... A bottle of the Glenlivet. <laughs> I got some uh, what? single malt Scotch whiskey for uh, for my birthday, and um, yeah, Glenlivet. Well, there we go. Scottish whiskey, a man after my own heart. Well, I say that it's just because I'm Scottish. I don't drink whiskey <laughs> at all. I'm gonna say it doesn't me... give you a terrible it, heartburn. It does give me a heartburn. <laughs> what an old fart I am. <laughs> yeah. a bit of whiskey, and I have to get the rennies out. Uh, <laughs> Well, there we go. Uh, I'm on the old San Miguel classic. I decided to go for whiskey because um, if I uh, tried to match you, beer for beer, I I couldn't I, I couldn't take it. I'll be on the floor by the end of this. Look, don't don't try to make out I'm some sort of alcoholic uh, on my oh, own I podcast. I I never said you're an alcoholic. I said you can handle your drink. That's that's the main thing there. Yes, I know, but th- there's a lot of people out there um, that says that, that that's basically just a complimentary way of going. <laughs> You're an alcoholic. You've got a problem. Get down to the group. <laughs> so thanks for that. Like you know, I mean, I think like I mean, early on in my podcasting career, <laughs> and now everyone thinks I've got a problem, and it, my podcast is a performer, a paint, a pod. So that doesn't really help me. You know? <laughs> The people need to know who they're listening to, all right? Oh, thanks, mate. I'm, I'm glad it was you <laughs> who told them. <laughs> all right. Well, Jason Callender, you went to drama school, was it Manchester Met? Yes. Tell us a bit about that. It was, it was amazing. I remember 
Um, I don't know. I, I didn't really know what drama school was back in the day. Um, I, my, I was at college and I used to think that acting was just a bit of fun. Do you know what I mean? Just a bit of dress up, having a bit of a laugh, telling some stories. It was, it was great. And then my teacher turned to me and was like, yo, you know you can make this as a career. I was like, what? So, um, yeah, he introduced me to drama schools. And uh, I didn't even know Manchester Met existed, which is a terrible thing to say. But he, no? one of his friends who was an actor, um, he knew that she went there. And she said it was, he said it was, she had amazing training. And um, yeah, I, I literally rolled up there and um, with my mum, because my mum went with me everywhere. <laughs> she went to my Bristol audition, my Rada audition. Then she came all the way up to Manchester with me as well. And um, yeah, it was the one place that I got there. And oh. weirdly enough, you just feel like you're at home. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that your mum was at every single drama school edition that you went for. Oh, yeah. She she was solid, man. She was like, oh, I'm coming with you. She just went a day out. I could need have, the company. And could have just checked. Love. She wasn't actually in the edition room, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, she she probably would have tried to, but no, she was always in that that little waiting area. <laughs> so they shut they, they like... shut the door in her face as she was coming through. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mrs. Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> She's just there at the window, like we can see is the, the steam coming from her nose up against the window. Go on, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> A proud tear rolled down her face. Yeah, until she realised that I was become become actually going to become an actor, and now she's like, "Why the hell did I let you do that? You fool!" Yeah, I know that. I think that's what all mothers do. <laughs> all mothers are like, "Of yeah. course, I'm proud of you. Go for it!" Yeah. And then you actually do get a drama school, and it does happen. And they go, "Oh my god, I didn't think that would happen." Yeah, this is <laughs> actually dressing up for life. Um, oh god, she's seen me dress up as various women in, <laughs> along the years as well. Dress up as, as what? Various women. Yeah, I feel like most. Yeah, quite a few jobs I've had now. I've I've had to don the old, the old wig. What? A couple of fake boobs and a fake bump. <laughs> Since when? <laughs> like, are you going to be in the next season of RuPaul or something? I think I might be. <laughs> I um. So I remember, like, so when I first, my first thing I ever did, um, it was year six. I was. The, I remember the school was like, oh, we're doing a little production of Alibaba and the, and the 40 Thieves. I was like, all right, I'll give it a go, see what's going on. The only part they had left was um, Mrs. Alibaba. So I thought, you know what? In for a penny, in for a pound. I came for the audition, so I might as well do it. Um, so I ended up playing Mrs. Alibaba. And on the final night, in front of the mayor, my, uh, my, my dress came down. My fake bum was all the way on the floor. And I was just dancing on stage in just a pair of wide fronts and like the top half of a dress. These uh, fake earrings were going everywhere. The wig came off. It was a shambles. Absolute shambles. So what, in front of the mayor? The mayor of Luton. <laughs> <laughs> Your fake bum was out, knickers on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> in front of the mayor of Luton. And, and you felt at that moment that acting was, the, it was for you. I was like, that's me. That's what I want to be. But now I understand why your mum went with you. She was probably just like that. Yeah. Like, I'm making sure that that does, n- does never happens again. <laughs> that's why she sews my uh, shirts to my trousers. <laughs> She's like, that's not coming down. So basically, uh, so after that, you got into uh, Manchester Met. 
out of the drama schools, uh, like you say, and 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 you had a great time mm. there. And post uh, drama school, you went straight into the four o'clock club. Is that right? Yeah, that was it. I think I just I didn't I didn't graduate yet. I think we just finished our final show, and I remember doing rehearsals for my final show. I was up and down auditioning for four o'clock club because um it was all all the auditions were in, were in London and I kept having to go up and down and um yeah I remember it's like when you first get it was like my first ever audition so I didn't really know what to expect and you know it was it was the first lie I was I ever told because I remember cast was like oh so so can you rap and I was like Phew, well Phew. the only, only advice I got from my agent was he was like you know, I've seen Serena Williams rap, so if she can do it, you'll be fine. Like, I don't know if it really works like that. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, what? Your agent yeah. said Serena Williams. <laughs> Serena Williams yeah. can rap, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you can rap. That's that, that's the logic right there. So, you know, I rolled down and I was like, yeah, 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 I can, I can rap. Um, well, luckily, the first audition didn't involve any rapping, so I kind of got through that one but then um yeah it got worse after that i remember because the the second audition was was a proper rap audition like we, we did the scenes really quickly it was chill i think this is probably one of my worst ever auditions and in the room was you know there was producers director and um a guy called dot brown who who wrote the show he's also a rapper comedian the guy can do can literally do everything <laughs> and so I had to do one of, had to rap one of his raps back to him. They put on the soundtrack and I'm there like, uh, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to come in now. Uh, then you start like, you can't find the beat and then you start panicking. And then, you know, like if you can't remember your lines and you get that, that kind of weird heat at the back of your eyes, like your, eye, your, eye, your head's going to explode. <laughs> it was one of them moments that went on forever. Then he was like, no, 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 we're going to have to stop this. We're going to have to stop this. <laughs> and then I was like, oh. You know, you just think that you've just screwed this whole thing up. And, um, you know, he was literally on the side, counting with me, trying to get me through this audition. <laughs> and in the end, I, te- I, had, I had about five auditions for, for the part. I think four of them were, were in London. And my final one was in Media City. And it was the day before they were going to start filming. So it was all like a massive rush. Clearly they hadn't found anyone and I was still like <laughs> hanging on in there even like, though I couldn't rap. It was like, look guys, we can't go with this guy <laughs> because the key component is rapping in the 4 o'clock club. And um, he cannot rap, okay? Um, He's got geek down. That's all over him. He can do that bit. It's like scour, the yeah. Scour the country <laughs> for someone who can rap, all right? Because I cannot have this on my television screen. <laughs> I was basically the Rylan. The, the Rylan. Of, of the audition process. <laughs> um, just to say, anyone listening um, who doesn't know, uh, Four O'Clock Club, um, it, I mean, I like to describe it as the glee of the UK. <laughs> Because it is huge. I mean, it's a CBBC show. Um, it's loads of rapping in it. I mean, like, um, probably you're, you're much better to describe it, but it's a massive, massive show, isn't it? Um, 
Yeah, I, I really didn't really know what I was getting into when I when I signed on to it. Um, it's literally as Graham said, it's like Glee. It's like it's like um, biker growth meets Glee. Like as soon as it gets a bit emotionally intense, we all like just turn <laughs> to camera and go into these mad rap sequences. You know what I mean? It's, it's like sure that everyone hit. dreams of <laughs> Baker Grove meets Glee. <laughs> Um, I met well, so I had one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had was when um, um, I went and someone, one old school friend, messaged me and was like, "Oh, I hear you, you know you're on TV, you're doing you're doing really well. Would you like to come to the, the children's ward and like meet the kids at Christmas?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd love to. You know, you feel like you know giving back a little. You know, all right, I'll, I'll have a go." I went there. Not one kid knew who I was. It was the most depressing moment I think I've had because they were just like who the hell are you <laughs> you know I was like I'm, I'm sorry guys I didn't even come with a present that's that's even worse you know what I mean when I mean, you think your smile's enough but it, it really isn't <laughs> did you not do did you not do a rap for them no I, I, I did because not you can't that's why <laughs> that's why you didn't it would have been offensive to the children <laughs> you know they were already in hospital at christmas you rapping that's just going to make it worse I know. I know. um the thing with the four o'clock club is it was it was a very big thing i remember and um, when we worked together um quite mm. a few times we'd be walking around uh various different towns <laughs> and um we would find uh we'd be getting stalked uh, we'd be like, we're like, what, what's going on here? Now, well, I was going, what's going on here? You, unfortunately, kind of already Just knew. trying to hide. You, you were like that. You were like, oh, no. They've, re- they've reckoned. <laughs> Unlike the children in the hospital, it would seem yeah. it would seem pretty much the teen girls on the street. Uh, oh, they, they, uh, they didn't miss you, did they? And you, you were the worst. Like, I hated getting recognised with you because... You know, a kid might smile and nervously like look away. Then you'd go, "That is him." By the way, that that is <laughs> it is <laughs> that is who you think it is. Yeah. You're like, oh god, you you don't highlight this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> don't be shy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, do you remember that little girl that cried at the um? Outside you know, actually, yeah. Oh. Th- this was an amazing moment. Um, so we obviously we did the the show, the play that goes wrong. Um, and we'll talk about that in a wee bit. Um, but there was like we were at Milton Keynes, weren't we? And um, yeah, yeah we, we we finished the show. I remember I came out before you, and there was a mum and her daughter. She must have been about ten, was she? Um, I think so. Yeah. And uh, she was so happy to see everyone. She was just like yeah. this like <laughs> like uber fan of theatre, wasn't she? She was just like, <gasps> and she was just like, oh, oh, can you sign my sign sign my book, sign my book? And and like I went up and she was like, oh my, you you played Trevor, oh, and I was like signing it, of course. Like it's lovely because you're just like, yes, yeah. yes, that's right. I I played Trevor. That was me. I, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'll say I'll sign the you know, and it's a lovely moment to like sign an autograph and that. And then I saw her eye shift. <laughs> like shifted <laughs> over my shoulder, and it was sort of like I just vanished into nothing. <laughs> and she froze as you'd come out. You'd come out the door, and like her face, just like, this single tear, just suddenly came like, appeared <laughs> and fell down her cheek as she realised <laughs> yeah. that she wasn't she wasn't watching Jonathan 
from the play that goes wrong. She suddenly realised that it was Dexter from the Four O'Clock Club. And that's it. Then she was gone. And then I went, like, I knelt down, gave her a hug, and that was it. She just started, like, streaming tears, man. So I tell cute. people, I tell people about that because I'm just like, like it's one of the strangest, most of mm. when people talk about fame and everything like that, and I'm like, do you know one of the like the most clear moments of someone being like when they talk about starstruck, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, they're like, star, they were starstruck, and I was like, yeah, they were starstruck because they just seen the guy from Glee slash Biker Grove. I mean, <laughs> that's that's. That's what happens, you know. <laughs> um, but yes, four o'clock club. You were in for what was it about four or five years? Is that is that? Uh, six years. Six years. Six, six years. years um, and and can you rap now? Um, I was told I got better, but <laughs> I um. That's like on. That's like in football, getting the most improved player <laughs> trophy. Literally, I think that's that's all I was. Especially um, in my final series, I didn't get a rap. So that just shows you oh my. that I didn't really improve that much. In the whole series. I think I had a line in a rap and that was it. <laughs> they, just, they just took you out. Yeah, they were like, ah, don't worry about that. We'll just, we'll just give him some nice, you know, some leaving scenes, some scenes with him carrying twins. And then we'll, that's it. We'll, we'll say goodbye to that. Oh, so in, 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 in Four O'Clock Club... Um, can you like? Can you tell us tell us a bit about what it was like behind the scenes and stuff like that? You worked a lot with obviously there was a lot of children because it was in it was in the school. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, tell us a bit about a bit more about the show and uh, any sort of behind the scenes silliness that may have occurred. Um, the show was it was basically a show about um about family, you know, because it was the, the original series was. It was a brother. There was two brothers. One was a teacher. One was a student. And it was their relationship through school. And the older brother trying to get the other one to get through school. And it was about, you know, getting kids to follow their dreams. And But you have to do it in the right way. It's like getting education, but still aim for the stars sort of thing. And I think as the show went on and went on and went on, it was, you know, it used to be about detention and getting the kids to get back on the right path. And then it became a show about, the kids' lives and the teachers' lives and how they all kind of mixed and merged together. And then um, to, literally to help bring on the story we would, and to help, like, make, you know, key life decisions, it, that's when you would have the rap sequences. I remember one of the rap sequences, I was dressed as, oh, I've been dressed as all sorts. Like, as so, I said... Sorry, just, just there. So um, when you have a key life decision, you had to rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it was like, I remember I had one episode where it was kind of like I was about to lie to my dad about being a really good teacher and it was all like really intense because I didn't want to let down my dad. And I was like, oh my God, should I lie? Should I not lie? Boom, you turn to camera and you've got a whole song about white lies. So it's like, what is going on? <laughs> my first day on set, it was literally like, okay, so Jay, do you mind just putting on your pajamas, getting into this fake bed? And rapping, you know, looking straight down the camera lens, uh, chatting about um, rapping about wetting yourself. Uh, okay, what? well, this is this is TV. Okay, yeah, because there was I remember there was one line in my rap who was like, it was it just mentioned about me wetting myself on before, the day before my driving test or something like that. And um, yeah, that was that was one of the lines. 
There was a line in your rap that said, <laughs> "You pissed yourself <laughs> the day the day before your driving test." So it's what? Nervous. It's nerve so what, you're seventeen. No, no. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. I would have been old, <laughs> old enough to do better. <laughs> old, yeah, yes. Old enough to hold it in. <laughs> I was a timid guy. <laughs> Wow. But yeah, because we were dressed up. I remember I've had so many. I can't grow a beard, which has probably been my downfall for the last 30 years. But for O'Clock Club, I had so many different beards. I was so many different homeless guys, so many different prisoners. Um, and it was a lot of rap sequences that, you know, and that was like the best part when you get to go into makeup, dress up in like a ridiculous outfit and then come out and just literally lie on the floor like a tramp. But we had fun. We had fun. Well, I oh. mean, it, 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 it sounds like, well, without doubt, it was an amazing show. It was a huge hit show. And it must mm. have been, like, very strange to go from, like you say, you were in Luton and you didn't really have any grasp of that acting could be a thing. And like, I think you're very similar to me, that drama schools you didn't even know about the only i only knew about one in scotland and that was like you know i didn't even really i didn't do acting it in school yeah um to then suddenly four four years later we're in this huge hit show um and you've got kids in the street wanting your autograph and stuff it's mad you, you just, it's one of one you, you just don't know how to what to expect you, you just you know as we've always done, we've you know you start acting because you just enjoy it. You don't really have a grasp of people will watch this. Like I, I, you never really think that you know it goes on TV, but you don't know the amount of people that watch it. Like theater is immediate. You know who as soon as you come out of that stage door, if there's anybody hanging around, <laughs> then they've seen it and you're like, oh, brilliant, it's there. But it's, it's like, I mean, you, know. you, you normally get to see them before when you're on stage oh, looking well, out. Of course, and you see them. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's, your audience isn't like judged by how many people are at stage door. Are you sure? Is that what you've been thinking all these years? Well, you know what? As Jonathan, most I spent most of the um show with my eyes closed. I didn't see anybody. See what I mean? My whole thing was not looking at the audience until I burst in at the end. Well, we and will we will come to we will, we will, we will come, come to those that. terrible times. <laughs> but um, I think I I I didn't realize with when it came to four o'clock club um how much having what 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 it meant to have a like a kid audience because they uh they're so brutal and they will come up to you wherever and either like you know want to hug you want to talk to you or whatever like i don't know you can't rap oh i've had that many a time i remember being in the line (laughs) like in the in in a queue for a ride in thought park and there's, I think there was a couple of girls in front of us and they kept turning around and I was like, oh, no, nah, I think they recognise me. And you're trying, you're trying to play it cool, like pretend it's not you. And then one turned around and was like, oh, my God, I love you. You're, you're in Four O'Clock Club. And a friend turned around and went, yeah, it was all right. You can't rap, though. You're like, ah, oh, brilliant. OK, cheers. <laughs> and then because you're stuck in a queue, you didn't have to stand behind them for the whole time. <laughs> Uh, but you see, that that is the acting life in a little bubble there perfectly. One moment, you're high as a kite, you know, people are loving yeah. you. And then straight after, it's just like, no, bang, straight back down to earth. You're, no, you're rubbish. Like, and, and, and the thing is, the, the job 
um, that we do as performers, that's that's like everyone ju- judges. It. Everyone can basically decide whether or not it's not like a review in the office or some of that. When basically it's just your manager will sort of go, oh, "You're doing a good." It's like everyone, everyone, no matter how much performing experience they may or may not have had in their life, everyone yeah. can decide whether or not you are pants at your job. <laughs> um, which is this wonderful, wonderful thing that we've decided we want to do with our lives. I know, and now people, because of the the wondrous age of Twitter, anybody can tell you at any time that you were awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think even hashtag it as well. Like you know, I know, hashtag I know. Jason can't rap. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, cheers guys. Hope that doesn't trend. Stay kid. Um, I remember one time I was um, so we had an episode where I had to get a PE kit from Lost and Found, and. Uh, so I crammed myself into these short pair of shorts. And then the director went, ah, oh, they're too bad. You need to be shorter. So then all of the costume girls went around me trying to stitch me into these shorts, making them tighter. And then that episode aired on TV. And then the next day, I got a tweet from somebody saying, all right, Dexter, nice cock. <laughs> and it's just what? like a screenshot <laughs> of, of, these, of me in these tight-ass shorts. <laughs> Now, there you go. That, I mean, when your cock goes viral, um, that, that's, that's something else. I, I mean, I've, I've never had that, mate. I've never, ever had that. Um, I've, I've had to do the old thing on stage where I've had to uh, drop my pants. Um, and that, that is quite something. When, you've, when you first ever have to do that, you're just like... Uh, yep, yep. I'm I'm getting my willy out on. Stage. <laughs> I always remember uh, when I did that show. I was just like, I was doing the show and um, I phoned my mum and I said, "Yeah, I've got the show in Liverpool, um, but it's a bit of a bit of a distance for you to travel. You don't have to come down." And and also, uh, probably best you don't because I get my willy out. And uh, <laughs> she was like, "Oh, she was like, don't be daft, Graham. It's nothing I've not seen before." <laughs> Well, it's. I would hope it's changed a bit, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but you know, mothers, uh, you know, social media, uh the performing arts. But anyway, four o'clock club. That was like uh, your coming out party from a drama school. But yeah. you, I mean, you have not stopped since then. You moved on to uh, another smash hit, possibly the biggest comedy. Uh, in the UK of the last five years, um, yeah. Olivia Award winning uh, mm-hmm. comedy. And Tony Award winning. And Tony Award winning. Uh, the play that goes wrong, and you played the part of Jonathan. Tell yes. us a bit about the play that goes wrong. Oh, play that goes wrong. It was what started off as just a, you know, a, a UK tour turned into something unbelievable. I mean, we had the, one of the most amazing cast, some of the funniest people that I've I've ever met, and I probably will ever meet. Mr. Rooney was there, of course, you know. Yes, I mean, if anyone will get out now, uh, I, I was, uh, this this was how we met. I was in the show with you, and I played the part of, of Trevor. But but this podcast about you and your journey is Jonathan <laughs> in it. Um, so, like, uh, how did you find rehearsals uh, for the play that goes wrong? Because that was your first huge theatre. Like, obviously, it was a UK number one tour, 
to start off with, but it did end up being mm. West End. Um, so I, it was a huge production, um, and probably like I suppose a lot of pressure going into uh, those rehearsals for for a big theatre thing for the first time. Yeah, because it, it was my first uh, professional job, uh, like theatre wise. Because you know you done well. I've done like fringe stuff and in other international tours, and that was different because it was our work we were devising it. But to be just thrown into comedy was something else because I never thought I was going to be, you know, I, you know, the standard one of being everyone goes, oh, I don't think I'm that funny. I'm all right, but I'm not like a clown. And then um, I remember that the director went, okay, so the first two weeks is clowning. Oh, God, <laughs> my, my heart literally sank. Do you know what I mean? Because I remember at drama school, we, we did clowning and it was the most brutal experience of all of our lives. I've seen people walk out. I saw people cry. It was full on tantrums because the pressure just to be funny is so hard. It's so hard. No, but it is. I think I think that's it. the thing about comedy is you, comedy, you know, straight away. If they think you're good or bad, <laughs> people people don't yeah. have to sit like if they sit there silently. That is clear. You are a failure <laughs> in comedy. That's you know how I mean? it feels straight away. It's just like okay, <laughs> um, so that's zero stars. You hate me, um, yeah, like whereas where and but also what makes it wonderful and the total opposite is as soon as they laugh, it's like bang, I've nailed it and I'm uh, doing really well. Yeah, yeah, because my um. So in drama school, our teacher t- that taught us comedy, he was like, you know, you beat the drum three times, but and the, by that third beat, if you're fun, if you're not funny, get off the stage. So you had that pressure of being like, I've got to be funny in three beats, otherwise that's it, I'm gone. But luckily, we played it goes wrong. Mark was like, you don't have to be funny. You just, just he just wanted you to go out in the space and and have fun. And it was like, if you're having fun, then. The audience will have fun watching you. Well, and um, if you enjoy doing something stupid, then everyone will be with you with that. Well, that's that's the whole thing that, like, you know, I think what Mark was great at and stuff like that. It was just being uh, truthful to your clown. If you're like, if you go mm. out there and you're truthful and you 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 don't play up to stuff, because that is where you you will fall and you fail. Um, it's like it yeah. always happens, and the thing is, it does happen. Of course, it happens when you do improv, clown, and whatever. You go up there, and in your head, you're just like, you're like, right, okay, what will I do to be funny? It's kind of like the worst thing <laughs> you can do. As soon as you yeah. think that, then you're in trouble. Gone, um, it's over. But yeah, and also, like you said, we had some amazing people that we were doing it with. Yeah. I mean, there was like some improv comedy geniuses that we were working with. <laughs> I think, and like, and like you got people like Paddy, whose vocabulary was just something. Um, it was like he swallowed a dictionary and then were just picking the hardest words he could remember from the dictionary. I, you know, I, I honestly you, had no idea what he was saying most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like he just. I thought he was just, yeah. Like sometimes I like I I remember we used to have we had to do improv in front of the the audience at the beginning. If anyone's not seen the play goes wrong. Um, we you do improv in front of the audience for the first fifteen minutes, and I remember sometime that there was Paddy would say words to me, and obviously I'm in character, and, and I I was literally like I don't know what that word is, and I would just say it in character because I was what was great is like Trevor was just like <laughs> the stage manager, so I was just like I do not know what that word means, and then I just turn around to the audience and just go Does anyone know what that and say like I mean the most ridiculous word, and no one knew. 
he had words that like <laughs> a well educated theatre audience, like five hundred people <laughs> and no one knew it. So I I, mean, I think he was just making half of them up. <sighs> All right. Uh so um like we were saying, the uh, the play that goes wrong uh, was a huge comedy. Um so there's probably a lot of pressure um in making sure that everything was correct and bang on and spot on. Um because we did it, what, two years after it had just won an Olivier for being the best comedy yeah. in the West End. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was kind of like this magic formula uh, almost that we we had to f- follow. And, um, I mean, I don't know about you. How, how did you feel played, playing the part of Jonathan and the difficulties um, of, of being in such a huge hit uh, production? Um, I think watching, um, like, before the audition, I remember you know you start doing a bit of research you start watching the Royal Variety performance and you realize how amazing these guys are like they're so quick they're solid everything every look has a has a meaning every movement meant something you know what I mean it was so well oiled and then you know and then I remember reading the script and and absolutely killing myself laughing at it and then you got people uh, like I was telling my mates are auditioning for it and they're like oh my god you got an audition for this 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 is amazing I've seen it and you're like wow this is you, you're already going to be stepping into an absolute phenomenon here. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you, you just want to do your the best you can um, do. You just want to do your best. Um, I remember stepping, like, doing the audition and, and having fun. And then the recall, I felt like I flunked it because Jonathan, as a character, spends a lot of time not saying anything. And then, um, yeah, I, think, I remember my audition. <laughs> I think, um, do you know what I mean? You pretty much see, like, Nothing. Uh, what, I've got two hour. lines in the first act. <laughs> are, they, are they are they different or the same line? They're the, oh for God, not so fast, Inspector. Not so fast, so for God's sake. That, that's that's my two lines for the first there act. There we go. <laughs> you know. Um, so yes, and the audition. I'm just you know, and then then he has this massive speech at the end, which kind of like sums up the whole story and the whole plot, and. Um, yeah, so during the audition, I'm, you know, smashing out this monologue. But obviously, the joke is that there's so much stuff going on around and everyone's making a lot of noise. Everyone's focusing on everything else. So I came out and was like, well, that was a bit pointless. No one actually saw what I could do. Do you know what I mean? But um, I don't know what the hell they saw, but... Well, they all we did well. We got there. <laughs> so you were very good, mate. Like, the end of the day, I mean, you were, you were a fantastic uh, Jonathan. Um, a, a very injury-prone. Uh, oh god! I mean, this is the thing. I, want, I want, like, like, I mean, you come out. It is such a wonderfully followed production, isn't it? And you will, we, we would always come out, and there was always people there who wanted autographs and everything like that. And they would always ask the same question. They would, like, you know, everyone, like, you know, or we get a Q and A, and they go, "Do you know what? It's, it's obviously the play that goes wrong. Is there ever times where something does go wrong?" And, like. <laughs> Like, you know, amount of times I was looking over at you going, yeah, look at the broken man over to my left there. Yeah. Like, you know. The guy in the sling, he's, that's him. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, I think that was, that was the, oh, that was the hardest part about the job. I, I was happy. I love that it goes wrong. But I think one of my, the, the, like the hardest thing I've ever done or having to get through was the injuries. The, the on tour, it was, you know, don't get me wrong, on tour was true, but I got the odd weird injury on tour. Like, there was one time 
my elbow just swelled up for some reason and it was like the size of a grapefruit and I don't really know what that was about but it just it just happened I remember like running on stage not even being even be able to hold the gun properly like just resting it on my hip and then running back off stage ice pack um sling do you know what I mean and you're just like what are we doing but you just you just wanted to get through it but um I think but when you got to the West End, it was it was different because they, they weren't little knocks that took you out for a week. They were long, big old injuries. <laughs> I remember, the, the, well, saying that, there were some stupid knocks, like when I smashed my head against the door. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there was, uh, like, there was like, like, yeah, without doubt, I mean... Um... <laughs> For the people listening, uh, to try and get a dramatic nap uh, as uh, Jason was leaving stage, uh, he he pulled the door uh, to sort of like make it a big bang as low as it hit his head. Um, however, what he did do was smack it clean onto his head, <laughs> which the audience, of course, went ooh, and, and like we, everyone was like, "Wow, that looks so effective and good," and it was. Because he had cracked his head uh, <laughs> to the point that you didn't come on for the second half. I couldn't. I thought I was fine, and then I sat down. I was like, "Oh, you know what? I actually feel sick here." You can so, you can um, cuss yourself. This is like, I mean, yeah. I will never. I, I can guarantee <laughs> I will never ever be on stage with anyone again <laughs> who can who actually will can cuss themselves. Oh with a piece of scenery. <laughs> Take the scenery and concuss themselves. Um, In my defence, I swear to you, that door was a different size to the one on tour, right? That tour door, I did that nap, you know, every night, chilling. Came into the West End, that door was a different dimension, man. That took me clean out, man. It, <laughs> well, I mean, that would be an excuse if it was the first performance <laughs> in the West End, but it wasn't. <laughs> Oh dear! Don't so, do me like this. I mean, basically, yes, there were without doubt things that uh, that that went wrong, and the play goes wrong. And um, that it wasn't though just uh, physicality uh, where things went wrong as well. You you spoke, um, you <laughs> spoke about how you only had two lines <laughs> in the first half, and in the second half, um, if anyone's not seen the play goes wrong, if if you have, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, you you go, your character gets it wrong twice in the first half, bursting through the door, going not so fast, Inspector, but is at the wrong point. It's not until the second half when you kick through the door and go not so fast, Inspector, and then you cha- you tell the you take the stage and you tell us the story of all the murder mystery, everything that's happened. You go through it all, and we react and listen off of you, everyone on stage. Basically, is controlled by you. You that is your um, sort of fifteen to twenty minutes where it is all on you. Um, tell us, tell us about that night um, where you came through the door mm. and it didn't go fully to plan. Well, you know, it was a regular Thursday afternoon. <laughs> I um, I burst through the door, gave it, you know, one of the loudest kicks I've ever given. I gave it full might on the kick, and then by the time I landed. Everything just went out of my head. I did not know what was going on. And um, I remember <laughs> I turned to Paddy, 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 Patrick Warner, who played um, the inspector. And I literally didn't ha- didn't have a clue what I was saying. I think all that came out was, um, 
yeah, yeah. Paddy looked at me. We were just there, locking eyes, which seemed like forever. And then he started explaining and pretty much confessing to what he had done. He was just standing there saying, um, yes, you saw me in the garden. And I still couldn't remember my line. So I just went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yes. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he fully confessed, which is not any of his lines. It was an amazing pickup yeah. by him. <laughs> Um, he wasn't meant to. He, he was meant to just go, Charles. I never did that. Uh, basically, for the, like, just basically rebuff everything you say throughout it. Everything that he says is like, no, that wasn't me. I never did that. You come through, and yeah, like you say, he just said it was me. I was in the garden, <laughs> yeah, with the lead piping, and the, you know, it was. He fully confessed, and you, you just agreed. And remember, I was and I, on stage. I just, that's the worst thing. He just, oh. yeah, you were just like. Yeah. yeah, 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 and then I just left the stage. And the worst thing is when you have lines that make everyone move and you forget them, so then everyone is then frozen because nobody knows what to do. They're like, someone just say a cue line so we can leave the stage, but it just it just never came. And the, the amount of times, and I remember the first time in our first ever preview in the West End that happened to me as well. But it was a little bit later on. It was uh, we were by the window and the girls were fighting in the background. So, and, you know, in rehearsals, the, um, the girls are quite quiet behind the behind the set. So I, you know, I could really focus and concentrate on what I was saying. Then we got to that first preview and they started shouting, smashing things against the set. And I lost my whole train of thought. And I just stood there and was just, Ha, 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 for the whole time and again it was me looking at Paddy and Paddy looked at me and it was just like I can't help you we weren't we didn't do it long enough we didn't know my line I was just on my own and um <laughs> then I think you, you just end up remembering like the last line you're like oh that'll do and then you just carry on but uh so there was, there was it was that scene it was like the first performance of that scene failed last performance of that scene failed you know what I mean there you go, but at least at least you had a perfect sandwich <laughs> in between. <laughs> in between, yeah. you were great, like you know. So, yeah. Um, a great bookend. Well, that's that's it, you know. Um, but I mean, that was. I mean, that was stupid. I, I wish I could have helped you, but I, of course, my character was completely unconscious on the floor. So if I had said anything, kind of would have <laughs> ruined. The whole thing where oh, the audience think that I'm I'm unconscious, so I I unfortunately had to just lie there, <laughs> listening I to mean, you die glad. on stage. I'm so glad you were actually lying down because if I clocked your eyes, we would have both started laughing, and then it would have been an absolute whoa whoa of whoa. Uh, <laughs> professionalism. I would not have laughed. Um, <laughs> just for all the casting directors, directors listening to a performer or painting a pod, <laughs> I'm 100% professional, unlike Jason Callender. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> um, but yes, no. I mean, like we say, uh, it was it was an amazing experience and an amazing success. Uh, being in the play that goes wrong, we obviously we toured um, mm. Hong Kong um, and New Zealand as well, didn't we? Even though Hong Kong, Hong Kong was a bit mad because um, the fact that the the the, the, the theatre was mainly empty. <laughs> it also, and people were, like dotted about. It was also like like half the audience spoke English, half didn't, um, and there was like yeah. big subtitles. 
either side of the stage. <laughs> and the subtitles were at a different well the subtitles were at a different point of where we were with our jokes. <laughs> so there was like the audience were laughing before we'd said it and then the next part of the audience laughed at it like so it was like half and half they were a very yeah. confused audience. What an experience. It was. Great. It was an amazing Like experience. one of probably two countries that I never thought I would go to or really had that much of an interest in, in seeing. But, you know, when you get a job that takes you there and then you'd like, ah, oh, Hong Kong's such a just beautiful place to be. It's like, like infrastructure and buildings cut through mountains going across the background. It's, it's the most, one of the most surreal places I've ever been. And do you remember the ceremony? Because this is a like this, this oh happens gosh, every yeah. time um, a theatre yeah. company comes to to Hong Kong. It was like uh, we we lit incense sticks and then what was it? We bowed to the four corners. Bow to the four four corners of the theatre. Yeah, the four. Yeah, and weren't they all different theatre gods? Yeah, and then we we had. Was it not? Did we not? Did they not cook a a pig? I I think you're right. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they cooked the yeah. pig, and we bowed to the four yeah. corners of the theatre. Now there you go. I yeah. um like. I mean, I I had no idea about that until I arrived. But um, remember when we when we got to New Zealand and we had the is it the hongi? The what? Is it the hongi? Uh the nongi? When we had to um. <laughs> You're just making noises on my podcast at the moment. <laughs> People are going to switch off no, at this point. No, like he was there. I'm not lying. <laughs> when we had to um, rub noses with, um, in the ceremony with the with the with the people in the theatre, you do remember. I know you remember. Yes, when no, I do, I do remember. Yeah. Yeah, thank God. I was like, I, did I dream that? Of course. No, we we had that, but then we also, do you know, um, we had to sing to the theatre. Um, as well, yes. this is the, like all these amazing rituals you get when you, when you tour with theatre. Um, when yeah. we were in, uh, was it? It was Auckland, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. And um, they they their ritual was uh, they they sang us a song, and we had to sing them a song back. Um, the only problem was <laughs> this was a ritual they always did and were used to, and always they were like, "Yeah, we've got our song." Uh, we had no time to decide. And like, like you know, it's hard enough as an individual to decide which song you would sing. When you've got a group, oh, is it 12, 12 <laughs> actors, uh, and it was yeah. like, um, like yeah, like decide what you're going to sing. So what we we decided because they were giving us um, a song from New Zealand uh, that we would give them the Beatles, didn't we? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Very British is what we decided we're a bit of let it be. <laughs> this is us guys. Have it. So yeah, oh. that was the like yeah, those were definitely the experiences that stuck out when we, we toured theatre wise. Um right, now moving on from the play that goes wrong. We could talk forever more uh about the play that goes wrong because so it was uh, obviously yeah. an amazing experience. Uh, but we will want to know a lot more about you, sir. Uh, and you, I mean, you did not stop there. Uh, you carried on to another huge comedy hit, Up Start Crow, and yes. which you worked with <laughs> David Mitchell, Gemma Whelan, mm-hmm. Mark Heap, mm. 
Rob Rouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the list continues. Oh, yes. I mean, they are just a few of the names. I saw a, a rehearsal of it, which was uh, it was it was amazing. Yes, it was a fantastic show. Uh, tell it, tell us about it. So I, yeah, as Graham said, I was part of the Upstart Crow cast. I wasn't part of the TV show. I kind of slotted in in the in the theatre show. And <laughs> how how was that? Did, sorry, like, but, um, but how 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 did you feel um, with the fact that you were slotting in to something that was already a success on TV with all these huge comedy stars? Obviously, the play that goes wrong was a big show, but this is—I mean—you're coming in with like household names. Did how did you feel? Did you feel like in in that first day of rehearsals? Did you feel? There's a bit of pressure here uh, <laughs> to really show up and show that, like you know, like I can perform. My, my, I was nervous from the read through, and the read through was before Christmas. It was about a month before we started. We had the read through, and um, yeah, I I remember the night before I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat properly, and then I woke up with the worst headache, and just you know, you kind of grab your stuff and like, okay, we're, we're going. I remember just being nervous on the tube. And luckily I ran into a girl called Danny, Danny Phillips, who was also in the show. She was playing one of Shakespeare's daughters. Yes, and, you know, you, you see someone on the on the tube and you're like, I think I've seen you before, but I don't know where, so I'm not going to say anything. So luckily she ran up to me and was like, oh my God, you're from, you're, you're doing Upside Crow. I was like, oh, thank God. So I know someone. So I think it's, it's always nicer to walk into a rehearsal room with someone who else is like an absolute noob. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then we, we walked in and, oh my, I, I, you know, we just, I don't know how to act. Do I, do I, do I play it cool? Do I run and hug them? Like I, I know them all my life. Like, you know, you've seen these people, you've idolized people for so long. And, um, you know, but then you, you meet them and they're just such normal guys. You know what I mean? They're just incredibly funny. I, Rob was the first person I met and he was just, Lovely, smiley, offers us all a cup of tea, and you're like, oh, I can, I can relax a little bit. Do you know what I mean? They, they really did their best to make it not feel like them and us. You know, after a while, it just felt like we, it felt like we'd all been doing Upstart Crow since the TV show started. And then Ben Elton would come on down because he was the writer and creator, and he, he would come down, and give advice and bit of direction, and pop in and out all the time. And you just end up being part of this this family, in a way. And it was, yeah, it was really, it was, it was a really nice experience to be part of. But the read through, because everyone, hate, I, I've always hated read throughs because it's like you have to be funny on the read through. It's, and you know, you, but, but reading in front of people is probably one of the most awkward things any actor can do. Which I don't know why, because it's what part of what we do. But um, and then you know, most read throughs, everyone's just sat on a table. Ours was looked like a press conference. So we had tables up front. We had an audience of about 30 or 40 people. There were cameras. What? You know, Ben Elton's sitting there. And you're like, what? I've only met David Mitchell like, for two seconds. And now we're all, you know, performing together. It was absolutely mad. There was cameras. I can't believe that. Yeah. Like, normally, like, yeah, like you say, read through for, like, yeah, like anyone not in the theatre world, read throughs, like, the easiest day in the sense of <laughs> there's a table in the middle of it, there's chairs around it, there's coffees all over it, biscuits galore. You know I mean? Like, you know, there's a few apples in the middle, no one touches them, it's just there for a little bit of decoration. <laughs> 
Um, and then, you know, we all sort of read for a bit, then it's toilet break, second, then it's in act two, read for a bit, and then it, everyone sort of goes, all right, okay, well, that that's the read through for today. I mean, that sounds pretty intense. And obviously with all those big names as well anyway, you're going to feel a bit of pressure, but chuck in some cameras and, like, you know, the the <laughs> local press or whatever it was, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh man. And because you can tell there was PR people there. Then there was people from every single department, costume, makeup, the the crew. Everyone was there. And it's like, wow, this is this is literally a baptism of fire. And how did you like uh, feel working with uh, Sean Foley? Because Sean Foley, um, he's he's a very well-known and well-respected uh, director, uh, comedy director especially, uh, in the West End. Uh, how, how was that? Um, I, I absolutely love working with Sean. He's, he obviously, he's, he's one of the people, he, he knows a joke, like, as all the right, well, he, he just, he knew, he know a joke, he know where to stand, where to be. And Sean would then, he would see like, the, the, like, the, there was like, they would be like the smallest joke. And then he'd be like, how can we push this? How can we make this funny? How can we bring this little line and make it huge? And I think that's what you learn from Sean, that there's that you, there's always work to be done. And I think watching him, because I, I spent a lot of time watching, um, you know, watching David, Gemma, Marky, watching all of them play and perform. And you can and you can just see how it is that um, they were they were constantly playing and coming up with new things. And from the first rehearsal to this, like even like an hour later in that first rehearsal, the scene had come to life. Gemma Whelan is one of the most amazing actresses I've ever worked with. She came in. She was amazing. Like when I watched the rehearsal, she she was so, so good. She's phenomenal. She came in and it was was like she was already ready to perform. She was, it was like, oh yeah, if we went up tomorrow, she'd be, she, she was already there. Do you know what I mean? So you automatically feel the pressure to meet her and to meet the rest of them. You're like, oh, come on, I have to. It makes you bring out your A game because you're like, you're just constantly trying new things, trying to make it funny. You go like rehearsal period is probably the the hardest part of the job because it's the longest hours. And even when you go home, you don't relax. You're thinking about what happened today, writing notes, working the script. Then you're thinking about what I can do to work on the new bits for tomorrow. So your brain's constantly ticking over for about a month, and then you know, and then, it, and then you've got the pressure of learning your lines, getting ready, and then from having your lines learned in your head at home in front of the mirror, everyone thinks that they've got the part, and then you go and stand next to someone who's giving you the cue line back to you, you lose everything. Like it's like you just forgot whatever you just practiced in the mirror, and it's like you have to start again. Well, so, I, I think um, sometimes that's a, that's the thing with rehearsals as well. Is like um, you, you're already always getting surprised by people and everything as well. So when yeah. when the when the lines are just sort of just just you've just sort of got them in, um, and when you've got these brilliant comedians who, by the sounds of things, they really are worth changing and play. And I think that that always shows uh, an an actor at their best when they're always trying to keep it alive and and find better ways they don't just settle with what they found in the first week or whatever it is that's uh, it. and, and, and they'll do think... something and then you go oh that's funny and then you go i, yeah. I have no idea what my line is yeah i'm not <laughs> um, um you're funny that was the but word i'm rubbish 
Yeah, <laughs> literally. You get that dread like straight away after like, oh, you're still funny. <laughs> oh, crap. Um, I'm working with Mark. Oh, God, this man is hilarious. I, I couldn't look at him. From reading the script, I knew I wasn't going to be able to look at him because we have a fight scene together. And... Um, no, well, if anyone's then, seen it, it is a ridiculous fight scene. It's ridiculous. And I still... Like when we were doing it, I I just I genuinely couldn't look at him because he would do different things every night. His face, he he can pull like the weirdest facial expressions ever. And then um he then started adding this bit because he had a massive cod piece on, which was absolutely huge. And so he's you know he enjoyed rubbing it up against me while we were fighting. When so the audience were laughing. I couldn't look. I had to look upstage most of the time. Oh man, he he was hilarious. In comedy, that is one of the hardest things. When you're the character that isn't allowed to laugh, you laugh, you kill the comedy. It is like that mm. thing. Um, and I always remember when Play Goes Wrong, I was, like, I was Trevor, the stage manager, who d- didn't want to be on stage, didn't want to be involved in stuff. So if I had ever smiled or laughed in a situation, which at times when people <laughs> are doing fun. really, really, yeah, when people are doing really, really funny stuff around about you, the audience are wetting themselves laughing. You're just like, I've got, I've got to hold it together. And tumbling up stage that's a, that's a little tip for any audience member. If you see in a comedy, any actor <laughs> turn up stage, you know what's happened. They're wetting themselves. They've lost it. They've lost. Or just it put their heads straight down. Yeah. Like as soon as you look straight down, you know they've gone. Yes. Um, such <laughs> professionalism once again. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so you you were doing Upstart Crow, um, you were actually performing that this year, and it had just been nominated for an Olivier, hadn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we were so excited, I think. um, And then coronavirus um, struck, basically. Coronavirus, yeah, Uh, coronavirus ended that. (laughs) But how, how, Um, yeah, I mean, how was that, like, that experience of a show being received so well? Um, and the excitement and feeling that you were on, like, you know, on a, on a par that with, like, you know, the acting away with all these other like, big names, like people, like you say, you've grown up watching David Mitchell, Mark Heap, Gemma Whelan, Robert, you, you've seen th- these people and then you're like, you know what, I'm on stage with you, I'm holding my own, um, you, you get nominated for an Olivier and, and uh, the coronavirus stopped. How, how was that that experience? It was it, it it was tough because, as you were saying, it felt like um, I think over over the years of acting, you, you, there's certain jobs that you know that, that get you um, that, that mentally you change or you change as a person. Like from your first job, something will happen, then you change into another actor, and then you change to another one. And it was just like we were all in a very a great place. I was working with with idols and, and, you know, and absolute comedy legends. And as you said, I was, I felt like I was holding my own. I felt like one of them. So you feel like you're accepted into a circle, which makes you relax. And I think doing play that goes wrong and working so many different theaters and big, theaters, small, you know, you've worked, I think we've all played to so many different audiences. You find a way and a rhythm of, of theater, you know, and we were, felt like we were all there, and then the show got nominated for Olivier. It first died when we all got, when we got the couple five when we got the five star reviews and some big four star reviews, and you know how how happy everyone was on press night, I and mean, you could felt the energy and the buzz just going through the cast, and it got stronger and stronger and stronger. 
And then next thing you know, it, it, that's it's like a rug's just been pulled from under you. Yeah. You know, it feels like all that confidence and that drive has gone and it literally feels like I had to start again. I remember that that night when we got told we were closing, we 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 rushed in to the theatre. We had to come in early for an for um rehearsal because um one of the actors you know was was ill. Um they what they didn't have coronavirus, they just were ill and as you know, so we had to you know they had it was part when you you know if you felt ill you had to quarantine. It was it was that you know early on. Yeah. And um, so we all rushed in to get the understudy ready, you know, and he had never, we, they haven't done a full understudy run yet. This would have been his first, like, go at the character. And, you know, so we come in early, we're spending all the time, all the hours rehearsing him in, getting him ready for the show. And then, you know, a producer comes on in. And it's just like, okay, guys, uh, Boris has said, <laughs> you know, people should probably stay away from theatres. And, um, and they were like, because of that, we're going to close, we're going to close the, we're going to close the theatre. And we didn't, and then, you know, we were told that, you know, we might go back at the end of the week, wait for this to blow over. You know, that's how everyone thought coronavirus was going to be. It was like, oh, it's all right. It'll, it'll blow up. It'll be fine. Cut to now, the theatre's still closed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Our posters are still there, but. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, what was unbelievable is I remember that day. It was the middle of, like, you know, the middle of the day and everything seemed uh, completely normal. And it, obviously, people were aware of the virus. Um, mm. And I remember um, Katie Bernstein, who was in the play that goes wrong as well, uh, my girlfriend, she was going to go and uh, see a show that night. And. She arrived at the show. It was waitress, and they just were like, uh, "Nope." And it was what it happened. Like, as soon as that announcement happened, the West End just shut. With that, like, which um, obviously you had from that sort of inner perspective um, mm. that you were getting told yourself. But I suppose you, you maybe didn't realize at that time that the whole of the West End was complete, just shutting down. Lights off. See you later. Yeah, we had like little drip feeds of being like, oh, well, you know, the producer was like, oh, we're going to ring another theatre to see what they're doing. And they just kind of snowballed and you're just hearing, well, no, it looks like this, the whole theatre has gone. You know, like the whole theatre world is, is probably going on the same night. And um, I remember afterwards, we kind of had, um, like you felt for everyone, like even the front of, like the front of house staff in particular, who had to deal with telling people that were there that they had to go home. You know, and there's nothing angrier than people that bought tickets for theatre that can't go and watch it. Like, it's, it's horrible. So they, you know, spent a lot of time sending them home. And then we all came into the bar afterwards and, and you know, we all kind of had a drink together. But it felt like a wake. It was like, oh, we're drinking and this is kind of nice, but something very sad is happening at the same time. Do you know what I mean? That's... It was really a weird vibe. So... I love that. It's like, we're <laughs> drinking. This is kind of nice. <laughs> because because it's alcohol, but it's it's not for a good reason. Um, coronavirus, uh, it's just been terrible, and I mean, I can't imagine being in such a successful production, and and it would have been so exciting because that would have been the first time that you've ever been at Olivia's, I would think, and everything as well. Yeah. Oh God, that would have been fun. Sorry, I've just put that in your mind, haven't I? <laughs> Thanks, Graham. <laughs> maybe, maybe have some of that whiskey beside you. Yeah, I think I need another glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let's brighten things up a little bit. Um, how about you tell me 
about your worst ever audition? My worst ever audition. Oh, man. We had, you know, annoyingly, that four o'clock club one, when I couldn't rap, was probably one of my worst auditions. But there was one I remember. It was for this this Netflix show. Um, and <laughs> so I went in and it was a... It, um, so we, we did the scenes and man, me and the casting director was getting on so well. She was laughing. She was making me laugh. She was like, oh my God, this is it. This is perfect. You're exactly what I need. This is exactly what I, um, what, what I, what I imagine. Like, this is it. You, you set the bar so high. Right. And then she went, oh, do you mind? Um, should, should we do the song then? <laughs> what? The song? Jesus, man. So I had to think of a song off the top of my head some old Ray Charles song and the vibe in the room switched from like being so positive and helpful to carnage. She just wanted me out of the room. Her smile dropped. She was just like, thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. But I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, have you not had quite a few singing additions? I'm like, I mean, you're like a song bird, oh. are you not? I don't, but why don't get why people think I can sing? Like, you know I keep what? going I'm going to pull you up on this one, right? Because you've told me <laughs> a few times about you getting singing additions and you've gone, I just don't get why people think I could sing. Do you know why it is? It's because Jason Callender of uh, Representation Eamon Bedford, looking at your CV here, in the section of music and dance, it says contemporary dance... <laughs> Jazz dancing. Which I can do. I can just about do. And tenor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're a tenor. And I'll tell you what, I shared the dressing room with you for over a year, mate. I didn't want to hear that tenor voice. <laughs> it's deepened along the years. Do you know what I mean? It's now more of a baritone sort of thing. Got that going on. <laughs> well, there you go. It's not um, in tune. Maybe, but it's yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you, you, maybe this is why people are a little bit annoyed when they ask you to sing. Maybe you're right. <laughs> maybe you're right. <laughs> I have to scratch it off the old TV. But I think singing for like uh, for actors, singing like so often that can be their worst addition because it can just go so so wrong. Um, yeah. You start on the wrong note, on the wrong key, or if you forget, if you for, the thing is, you forget a line when you're speaking. You can give it a bit of time. You know, you can find the word as you're still, you know, you know, when you're singing, it's just like. But that beat is going. It's still going. That's gone. Da, 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 you missed that note. <laughs> no, it's just like. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's finished. Not, yeah. <laughs> Games bogey, get out. It's like um, we spent a lot of time. Like, I, I've also, I've had like terrible dance auditions. Because I can't, I can't count. <laughs> as soon as someone goes five, six, seven, eight, I'm lost. If if you're, you know, if they're on the and, your arm's got to do one thing, and then two, you've got to do something else. It's over. It's absolutely game over. I don't think. Um, so when we did Upstart Crow, we we spent a lot of time doing having dance rehearsals, and I mean, I was working with some absolute comedy legends, but none of them could dance. <laughs> I found this way when I worked with you and the play goes wrong. Not that there's any dancing in that, but we would go out for many a drink, many a drink. Um, oh God, this isn't Oof. helping me saying I was an alcoholic at the beginning, was it? Um, <laughs> but we we used to go dancing as well, which you know at my age I shouldn't really do. 
Um, but I remember like you you were a very very good dancer, and then I, I remember we were just sort of mucking about in uh, the dressing room, and I sort of did a five, six, seven, eight. And you yeah you you cannot hear a beat at all. You can completely dance to it, but yeah, you just uh, you cannot hear a beat. I can't. It's not there. It's not there. But I must say that after all those rehearsals. We absolutely smashed a good dance. <laughs> Your dance, the dance at the end of Upstart Crow uh, was was brilliant. I thoroughly, thoroughly it enjoyed it. I think the joy on David Mitchell's face after every show when he got it right was just amazing. Like he he was absolutely beaming. You know, when we all nailed that dance, it was hilarious. I think, but um, I remember one one show, the music cut out, so it just started and the music just stopped, and we were like. Oh, what should we do? And then Rob, who plays bottom, just went five, six, seven, eight, and we just carried on dancing. Like we were so drilled by the by the rhythm, they were like, okay, kept it going. Then the audience started clapping, and obviously <laughs> audiences can't keep a beat, so they started speeding up. And we're just like whipping through this dance. It was absolute car crash, but it was so funny. I do, I love that. Like any time you try and get an audience, because I used to. I used to do that. The play goes wrong. I used to clap to get them going, yeah. and then yeah, they always get quicker and quicker and quicker. And you're like, no, yeah. no, yeah. no, Stop five, it. six, seven, eight. Keep it at the here. Um. So obviously, we've talked through. Uh, you you did the four o'clock club. You've done play goes wrong. Uh, upstart crow. These are all amazing things in different ways in their own right. Um. But what would you, I suppose, what would you say um, is a, was a sort of career-defining moment for you? Um, it's just going to sound really weird, but there was a moment when I remember I was doing 4 O'Clock Club. Um, we got a new director in, um, and he, he'd, he'd seen the show before, and he was a massive fan of the show and, and really wanted, and was so excited to be part of it. And... Um, I remember, you know, we were doing scenes and, you know, he just came up to me during one of the scenes and was like, you know what, mate, just, um, oh, the character I was called, was, was called Dexter. And he was like, yeah, just, just Dexterize it. And I think that was the, one of the first time when you get a director, you know, who you look up to and who's been in the industry for a long time, telling you that you are good enough. What, what you do, the thing that makes you you is, is amazing. And you can see it shining through and you have, something special and, and and he was basically just saying just just go out there and have fun just go out there and do whatever you want to do yeah and i think that was quite a big moment because you then go oh i'm not that drama school kid who still feels like he's learning because you feel so happy just to when you get a job to be on set and be around things so you still you feel like you know you feel quite happy to be there you feel like you have something to prove it was that first time i was like you haven't got anything to prove you 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 can just be and play and have fun and you know, and this is what I was saying earlier about having this moments like that in each job, which you don't forget, which then gets you weirdly ready for the next job. Because you're like, you can kind of call back on experience being like, no, hang on, I was good enough then. So I'm still good enough now. And that mentality gets you through auditions. It gets you through work, tricky patches. It's that core belief of someone kind of like letting you into their world and being like, no, you, you deserve to be there. No, I think it's fantastic when you have a moment uh, with a director like that because directors are such important people in everything you do. Some, 
if you have a really good connection with a director, whether it be in a play, in a film, or in TV, uh, they can really make the difference to your performance. And mm, it can yeah. they just it's because director and an actor really work together. And if they can just spot the right way of working with you, um, almost like a manager, I think, in a football team, you know, <laughs> sometimes yeah, you need yeah. a bit of a boot up the arse. And then yeah. other times, <laughs> you just need an arm around you to just sort of go, actually, yeah. <laughs> what you're doing here is all right. Um, so just get, like you know, um, and I think like you know that for me that that's exactly what he was he was doing there. Um, but that's brilliant. All right, that seems that it is last order. So what we do here now on a performer, a pint, and a pod, Jason, is we do some quick fire questions so we can go and get our final drink in. Okay, you ready for this? All right, I'm ready. Right here we go. First up. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, I wouldn't say it's I, I, I wouldn't say it's talent, but I'm kind of learning how to play saxophone. <laughs> Does that count? Well, probably so well <laughs> hidden that you can't really play it. <laughs> it's so, hey, you can make out the songs. That's the main thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. So you, you can play the saxophone a bit, yeah. <laughs> A little bit. All right. Some Disney so some Disney show songs. Oh, fantastic! Is there any particular one you would say is uh, the pièce de résistance? Uh, I would have to say Beauty and the Beast. On the saxophone. On the saxophone. All right. Uh, moving on quickly. Quickly. <laughs> Next question. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Um. <laughs> This is going to sound... Oh, this is so weird. Basically, pulling elbow skin. <laughs> you... You are so weird. <laughs> it's so... It's weirdly relaxing. Right, okay. Pulling my own, I, I, other I'm people. No, no, no. We're not going to go into it. No, we're going to swiftly move on. <laughs> um, Keep going. Okay, Keep going. next up. Um, any pet hates? <laughs> hate um people that <laughs> rub in between their toes and smell it and smell their finger oh man <laughs> I've, I've seen some things in my time <laughs> that but that is the one that's the one <laughs> all right uh who's your favorite actor um hang on what do you mean Honestly, this is not a difficult question in the sense I know, of, I'm like, I'm, what, what, what do I mean? What do I mean? Your Sorry. Favorite, who's your favourite oh, actor? Look, edit this out because this is wrong. Like, start, ask it again. <laughs> that is not getting edited out. Oh, go okay, please, man, please. <laughs> who's your favourite okay, actor? Um, Adrian Lester. And your favourite actress? Viola Davis. Well, there we go. Good choices. Good choices. And when you were growing up, who was your idol? Who was my um, acting idol? Why do or you like, like this? Is not question for question. <laughs> just, just listen. It's quick fire question. The pub is is shutting. Okay. Oh no! The metaphorical pub is closed up. All right. They've taken off the taps because of you. 
you fanny. Right, oh, here we God. go. Who I... was your idol growing up? Thierry Henry. Now, you see, that's the top answer. Top answer. Boy, if you were on Family Fortunes, oh. you would have won. You would have won the speedboat. All right, and finally, uh, if you weren't an actor, uh, what would you have been? An explorer. <laughs> an explorer. All right, fair enough. So you would be like Christopher Columbus or Indiana Jones or something like that. Fair play, well, I've Jason. got the Indiana. I've got the Indiana Jones hat, so I'm ready to go. Oh, do you? Oh well, there we yeah. go. <laughs> All right, Jason Callender, thank you very <laughs> much for joining me on a performer, a paint, and a pod. Um, do you have any social media or anywhere that um, people can follow you on? Yes, uh, I'm Twitter, Instagram. I think it's at jcalli26. At jcalli26. All right, that's brilliant. Thanks a lot, mate, and I will speak to you very soon. That's all right. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. All right, brother. Take care, my man. See ya. So there we go. That was Jason Callender from standing on stage in his Y-fronts in front of the Luton Mayor to starring in the West End with David Mitchell and Gemma Whelan. What a journey. I'll be meeting fantastic performers in the pub over the next few weeks and months with career-defining moments and secrets from behind the scenes. So make sure and don't miss out by subscribing to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod and follow at PerformerPint on socials. I've been your host, Graham Rooney. Thank you for listening. Please do rate and review. I'd love to hear your thoughts, unless, of course, you don't like me, then please do keep them to yourself. And remember, no one likes a stingy mate at the pub. So, share the pod with friends and family. See you next week.